As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me is... James Hunt. Uh, James, we are... Um, we're back back from um from our kind of planned break uh and we're here for this week at least to talk some news uh, a lot of news despite being in the middle of a global global pandemic a lot of news has broken in the past two three months since we last recorded is it, is, yeah, is it that long? So, <laughs> the, i mean the last time we recorded was at the end of august when we covered the dc fandom event yes and so there's a lot of marvel news we haven't covered uh much of which i'm looking forward to discussing Yes, um, and also we're aware that this is, um, you know, the first episode you will have heard since um, that DC fandom. We have recorded a couple of main episodes that are in the bank that are ready to come out. Um, at the end of our fandom episode, I believe we said that our next episode would be New Mutants. Um, for various reasons, I think probably both from a from a podcast production perspective, um, James, and also from a <laughs> from a perspective of probably the number of our listeners that were actually able to see New Mutants or, ch- or probably chose to see New Mutants. <laughs> yeah, who actually wanted to risk seeing it. Yes, we've decided to push that one back, and we're going to cover that when it gets a home release in the UK. Uh, so a US uh, home release um, streaming and DVD Blu-ray release has been announced for November. Um, so hopefully the UK will be hot on the heels of that. Um, I don't even know whether it's a, a possibility possibility for Disney Plus in the UK. I know it's not in the States, but maybe it is in the UK. I don't know where the rights lie. Uh, but so, yeah, we'll we'll cover that one when it gets its release. Um, I, I'm also excited to do that, James, on home release, because apparently um, all of the deleted scenes are going to be on the... Um, <laughs> and i i really want to know like i think as much as um i didn't hate that movie uh spoiler because I, I we've both seen it um i i'm fascinated by all of the stuff that didn't make it and or like didn't or was planned to be edited into the middle of it and never got shot uh, when i watched it again no spoilers but when i watched it i got a very definite sense of like 
Oh, they would have reshot the scene if they could have. Or there might have been 10 minutes of connective tissue here if they could yeah. have. <laughs> yes. Just, just that, I just remember that that was a movie that was supposed to star James McAvoy as Professor X and Alexandra Schiff as Storm. <laughs> and, what, and watching the movie, I was like, where would you have done that? <laughs> yeah, where? I don't even know. Unless they just popped up in a post-credit scene and gone, hello. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to New Mutants. We'll, we'll get to New Mutants. So um, our first episode, our first proper episode back next week will be Hulk. Um, we've got Andrew Ellard joining us for that. Uh, we've recorded that. That was a fun one. Uh, we um, And then we've got a few more episodes, kind of uh, one more in the can, a couple more planned to come off the back of that. Um, and then hopefully New Mutants will, will kind of turn up at the end of that run. And then uh, we do a little bit of a transition, aren't we, James? We're, uh, we've, we, we have plans. Yes. So many plans. <laughs> so we'll, 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 we'll see where these next couple of months take us, but I thought we'd update you and let you know broadly where we are with everything. Um, James, I don't, I don't really want to um, start off a news podcast uh, with this kind of news, especially given, you know some of the conversations we've Recent had to events, have on yeah. this podcast ourselves. Um, but it would be it would be so strange not to talk about this on the podcast. Um, it probably feels like old news to a lot of listeners by now. Um, but uh, shortly after we recorded our last episode, um, Chadwick Boseman passed away um, on August the 28th. He had been um, privately battling with colon cancer. Um, and and passed away from complications related to that illness, as I say, at the end of August. And um, I I know James, this hit me pretty hard. I think probably you know at a time when we, we were you know we were grieving a friend, it just felt like the world was um, was you know being completely unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a it was a very nasty surprise to wake up to that morning yeah it was one of the it it was one of those ones that i read and couldn't quite believe it yeah um just i'd I'd been i i'd woken in fact i'd woken up in the middle of that night because i I have a baby um and i'd (laughs) i must have scrolled through twitter and seen someone talking about about it but not quite realizing what they were what it was connected to and I was too tired to really take it in and then when I woke up the next morning I was like oh that's what that was mm-hmm. um and I I think you know uh, there, there was a, a lot of very very kind words said about Chadwick Boseman um following his passing and you know that this isn't this is an actor who even though he was 43 years old wasn't someone that we'd kind of lived with for two two and a half decades on the screen really i think he came to most people or or to the attention of some people in 42 the jackie robinson biopic in 2013 Mm -hmm. um he was in draft day and get on up the next year and then it's 2016 when we see him in captain america civil war as as t'challa um and then 2018 Black Panther and then he's obviously in the 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 two Avengers movies that follow um and in that short space of time I think he made a real impact on a lot of people I think he you know he made a real impact in superhero movies because uh 
Um, I I can't think of I I can't think of any superhero performance that's quite quite like his. Uh, no, I mean he the the character especially is kind of different. I would say the the character he's closest to in all superhero movies is probably Superman. Yeah. I think that might be why it kind of hit with a lot of people. Because uh, as performances go, like it was very compassionate and open mm. and just like it had all these qualities that you you don't get to see often enough, frankly. He he had that you know, he, he reflected the regality of the character. Mm-hmm. He uh, it a character that felt completely devoid of ego and bravado, um, <laughs> just driven by a sense of what was right and what was wrong. Um, yeah, and and in a in a diff in a very different way, I would say to to Captain America. Even I was about to say, even even Captain America, you feel like he's like he's he's got these personal. Um, you know, there are there are things that he does because he wants to, not because they're necessarily the right thing to do. Like, there's a very personal dimension to Captain America, whereas with Black Panther, you sort of got the impression that the character was, was doing more or less everything for the duty that he was, you know, serving his people. Yes, and I, and I think that that, that point is... Um is really vital because you, you you see that in you see that in the character in the way that the character feels like he is representing his family his nation um i think africa to an extent and mm-hmm. and um and the black community and the way that the way that the movie struck audiences was uh, and african american audiences in particular um, in the states, you know, with, with it, you know, outgrow. Is it? It's still the number one highest-grossing movie in the states, I think, in terms of just the U.S. box office. Um, mm-hmm. And but but you know, black audiences worldwide. And I think a, a big reason for that was not just the movie, not just the performance. And you know, he's not the only good performance in that movie. Like you know, Michael B. Jordan's fantastic. I mean, there are a lot of really really good performances in that movie. But yeah. he he anchors it, and I remember coming away from the movie originally and kind of feeling like, oh, does he get it stolen away from him? But I think every every time I revisit it, and I think we talked about this in the podcast originally because Amon was kind of arguing me round on why it was a great performance and why it was a great <laughs> character. And every time I go back, and you know, the more you see of that character, and the fact that you know that that iconic portal scene in Endgame. The moment, for me anyway, the moment is when T'Challa steps through. Mm-hmm. Because he just had, like, Chadwick Boseman just has this air about him. And he he continued that off the screen. The The way he carried himself, the way he represented that character, the way he um, embraced what it meant to people. Um, and I think the rest of his career, you know, is probably a... Probably a you know, uh, uh, prepared him well for that. The fact that he played Jackie Robinson, that he played James Brown, that he played Thurgood Marshall, um, 
between Civil War and, and Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think he was a, he was an actor who was very much aware of the the weight that his roles carried um, away from the screen, and you know I remember him turning up to award ceremonies in in twenty eighteen after Black Panther had, had had come out and doing the Wakanda Forever sign and and you know seeing seeing just that like that that was something he carried now that was the that was the, the, the you know yeah. he, he was going to be doing it from now until forever and and not not because he wanted to do some cheesy pr for his movie because that had be, yeah. that had become a symbol for for a, a a community of fans and you know people who yeah had, people had been, believed in it yeah. yes and and had been waiting for a character like his on the big screen, mm-hmm. yeah, and and it's so obviously desperately sad news. Um, I don't, I don't think it's particularly interesting or um, important to say what does Disney do now because they're a giant, you know, multi-billion conglomerate. They'll figure it out, and you know, I'm sure Kevin Feige. Um, has got a, a you know a tricky job in his hands, but you know I, I I don't think it really matters. You know that that what they do is what they do. Um, I just thought it was really, I I, I was stunned that Ryan Coogler didn't know. Um, yeah, I just having like when when it was announced and they were saying like basically no one realised. I just sort of thought, oh, well, surely his bosses knew, but if if Ryan Coogler didn't know, I can't imagine no. who else would have. There's a very small chance for you would have known, but I just don't. I don't. I, it I, just seems like he kept it to himself. It seems which like it is was him absolutely his, his prerogative. Yeah. 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 And and I, you know, I don't blame him at all. Um, yeah. I mean, the interesting thing is that he was it just after he got the role of Black Panther, he was first diagnosed. I think that's yeah. Yeah, so basically his entire career as as T'Challa has been overshadowed by this and he clearly made a conscious decision to be like no, I'm not going to be the superhero who who is battling cancer. I'm going to just be a superhero. Yeah. And I, I and like it, it the way he's done that means it hasn't defined him in any way. Like I think I don't I think it's I think it's a, a good thing for him. But I, I for me that kind of thing is it's whatever works best for that person like if uh yeah yeah yeah. and and but i i think what i respect about it in chadwick boseman's case is that is how he refused to let it define him Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's it is desperately sad i will i i will miss seeing his performances um that's the thing, yeah, isn't it? It's the, it's the performances we could have had as much as the ones that we got. And and, and you know, as, as as always seems particularly upsetting in these kind of things, like he just seemed like a really nice guy. He was the um I listened to an interview that got, got re released on a podcast with him, um, a couple of days after he passed away, and he just he did just seem like the most charming, positive person. Um and you, you saw those, you know, there's occasional interviews where he kind of alluded to something, uh, which you did never realise what you meant at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and, and the physical strain that his body must have been going through getting into superhero shape. 
whilst battling cancer is. Right. So it's it's mind boggling. Um, but yeah, so Chadwick Boseman passed away age forty three, and um, yeah, uh, I I will I will be revisiting those performances for for many years, I think. And um, there is something about uh, as well the discreet nature of that performance. It, it that's the other parallel that kind of feels like it has with Christopher Reeve that you know now with just that that smallest bit, bit of distance you turn around and go that is one of the iconic superhero mm-hmm. performances we've talked in the past about who would go on a mount rushmore of superhero performances um and you know i i wonder i wonder now i would have a hard job pushing him off the four yeah it's a shame yeah Okay, uh, let's mo- let's move on to um, well, actually, the, the the first thing isn't isn't much more positive. Uh, we're, <laughs> hey guys, we're in, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, um, <laughs> which uh, I don't think um, I've had lots of James. We've 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 been chatting about the future of cinema um, we're, <laughs> we're off the podcast. We're uh, such that it is. Yes, uh, we we're recording this obviously the same week that. Um, Cineworld decided to suspend operations in the UK um, and uh, their regal chain in the US and that also meant that Picturehouse Cinemas have closed um, here in the UK and Odeon is going to weekend only we don't know when movies will be released, we don't know whether there will be cinemas to release them when they do come out, Um, the entire industry is up in the air um and the knock-on effect for this podcast is that means that we've had some date changes. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Yeah. Um, Every, everyone saw how much time we gave to New Mutants and they were like, let's let's get some of that action by moving our films around even more. Listen, fair, I, I, do, I do think we need to sit back and recognise the irony that of all of the movies <laughs> that could come right. back and be the one that got a proper release... Glo- like globally not like Tenet that kind of like right it, it came out in some countries and then came out in the US a couple of like New Mutants was released it got it got, <laughs> it got its release it was the first one out of the gates pretty much um uh, not that there were many um and so we, we, <laughs> we can't now be talking about New Mutants bobbling around the schedule um the dates themselves James are irrelevant because because they are fictional basically because no one knows what's going to happen in two months in six months in a year but i thought it would what what might be just interesting would be to do a little check-in and remind ourselves of where we are in terms of future superhero movies what we might theoretically see in the future yes so at dc we've got wonder woman 1984 which was officially pushed well uh, actually, is that has that been pushed yet? Is that one of the ones that's been pushed? It was due to come out. It was pushed to Christmas. It was yeah. It was supposed to be out this month, was it? And it got bumped back to Christmas. But there's, I mean, I will be very surprised if it comes out at Christmas. Yeah, there's no fucking way is that movie coming out this year. So right. Wonder Woman 1984, but filmed in the can, should be coming out at some point in the future. The Suicide Squad, filmed in the can, is theoretically on the slate for next year. And then The Batman, not filmed, still filming, 
has been delayed a couple of times, including because its star contracted coronavirus. Um, but is you know has completed some filming to the extent that we were able to see that trailer, um, and is theoretically due to be released in twenty twenty two. So that's that's things over at DC, and then from a Marvel perspective, um, we. From Sony Marvel, are due to see Morbius and Venom Let There Be Carnage next year. Have we talked about the title Venom Let There Be Carnage, James? <sighs> what? what? I don't think we have. <laughs> it's, um... Oh, God, it, it makes me so excited that that film is going to be as enjoyably <laughs> crap as the first one. Yeah. Well, my worry is that they will try to deliberately replicate the thing that made Venom hit with people and screw it up yeah but it, it it all just seems still suitably weird enough that i feel like what could could you imagine if it had all of the weirdness of the first one all of the strange tom hardiness of it and then you have strange woody harrelson added to the mix <laughs> and and then you have i mean just a wild card of andy circus directing i don't know what to expect from that movie like, I don't think I think anyone who claims to know what to expect from that movie is no. lying. <laughs> but uh, also, I'd be lying if I if I said I was not extremely looking forward to it. <laughs> um, uh, then there is uh, Black Widow, which has been filmed. Uh, we've seen trailers. Should be should have been coming out this year. Will now come out next year. Um, and then there's a, there's like a whole a whole mess of MCU movies after that. There's Shang-Chi, which I think is still filming. There's mm-hmm. Eternals, which is in post-production. Um, I think we can, uh, you know, we could be due to get like 20, 21 superhero movies in the space of about a year and a half. <laughs> I, don't <know. laughs> I, I, don't I don't know if I'm exaggerating there. Yeah, there's a lot to come. So, uh, yeah, so the, so the other Marvel ones then, so... Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, then theoretically another Spider-Man movie, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there, were, there was on the schedule for 2022, Thor Love and Thunder, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Black Panther 2, which, uh, you, you know, it seems very unlikely for 2022, and Captain Marvel 2. At this, you know, that's that they are the ones within a year and a half. Yeah. <sighs> It's a lot. If if cinemas do reopen and they do, and they uh, you know and uh, and they are able to release those movies, it will be an absolute glut, and it will be interesting to see if audiences do return. You know, it, it you know in some scenario where I don't know there's a vaccine or people feel like they can return to the cinema safely, whether audiences do flock to them and flock to them in that period of time, or whether the studios start to go. Look, do we just admit that we lost a year, um, and kind of, and kind of stretch stretch them out over two two years and ramp production down a little bit? Yes, yeah, yeah. I don't, I, don't, I mean, who knows? It's complete finger in the air stuff, isn't it? But right, um, I, I think the added complication, I think, and I think this is particularly interesting for Kevin Feige and Marvel. Marvel has 
found all of its success by essentially everything they release being a bit of a teaser for the next thing that's going to come out. Mm-hmm. And it all being this elaborate jigsaw that needs to be consumed in a certain order for it all to make sense. Yep. Then they add in the the added complication of oh there are going to be um there are going to be Dis- Disney Plus TV shows and those will feed directly into the movies. Now, can you? I mean, we'll talk about this, but WandaVision is due to be released this year. Now, is WandaVision going to be able to feed into Dot Strange and the Multiverse of Madness in the way that we thought it was going to, given that the the release date between those things is now going to be vastly different to what they what we originally thought it was, um, because the idea was that Elizabeth Olsen would kind of jump off of that into Multiverse of Madness. So that so, so it's kind of it's cocked up all the schedules <laughs> and is is Kevin Feige's elaborate jigsaw having to be frantically reconfigured? Uh, I sort of think that so Marvelous flirted with showing things sort of in a not in chronological order in the first place so i don't think that's a huge concern um i think the tie-ins of the tv shows will they'll be more um more definitive than the agents of shield tie-ins were um which is to say they will actually exist but I think whenever anyone says this TV show will help you understand the movie, they are operating on the assumption that the audience for the TV show will, like, necessarily be a fraction of the people who see the movie. So nothing... See, I, I don't think it's going to be, it will help you understand the movie. I think it will be, if you have watched WandaVision, and you have watched Elizabeth Olsen's, uh, you know, Wanda's character arc over that, and then she shows up in Doctor Strange you'll go, right, yeah, that's where she's been for the past... Yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and, and that's where she is emotionally. Um, another yeah, one, and uh, I don't think that's going to make a huge difference whether there's six months between WandaVision and Doctor Strange 2 or mm. six years between the two. But I, As long as she doesn't turn up in anything else between those two things. I guess that the, the difficult thing becomes what happens if, um, you know, a, a TV show gets delayed to the point that the movie it was due to... Fe- so, for instance, right, they didn't finish filming, uh, to our knowledge, they didn't finish filming Captain America and uh, The Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. The, or The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, whatever it's called. The one that I'm not looking forward to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, if that if that has any kind of um, plot events that are going to be referenced in one of the movies that was due to be released... You know, say it feeds into Black Widow or say it feeds into Eternals in some way, um, then you might have to edit around those references or you might have to think of a different way to do it. Or as you say, yeah, you might you might have I to think... do it do it non linearly. Yeah, I think I think there are many creative ways you can get around it and I think I think the the jigsaw, as you say, of the MCU is a lot more flexible and a lot more in people's heads than you realise. <laughs> like, you know, technically there's a definitive order, but a lot of the films could be moved around, could be slot out. Mm. Like, <clears throat> and and you know, remember obviously... how... Uh, the, the one that always stands out to me is that the Guardians of the Galaxy volumes 1 and 2 take place cl- quite closely to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, which sets, like, Guardians volume 2 
like before four or five of the movies that had come out since that. Um, yeah. And when you go back and look at the chronology, it makes it makes no fucking sense. <laughs> It makes no difference. I don't well, think yeah. it does make any sense because then you just have to assume that there's like a two or three year gap between, you know, Guardians 2 and when they turn up in uh, Infinity War. And there's nothing in that that contradicts it. No, it's... Like, it's, it's weird to have such a big time gap between the two movies, but... And it's yeah. it's just funny, you know, like in a, in a universe where everything, every little thing gets referenced... Like, so, or, you know, whether it was on the TV shows or whatever, someone will, like, uh, reference, like, uh, oh, um, there was and that, that incident in Harlem, you know, referring back to something yeah, yeah. in The Incredible Hulk <laughs> 10 years before. But at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy 2, some weird blue gulp almost engulfs an entire town in in, in America or Mexico. I can't remember where, where it is. And no one ever, no one ever mentions it anywhere again. <laughs> you're like, you're like, oh. I wonder um, when they were putting together the Sokovia Accords, they'd be like, and none of you please turned up when our town got involved in <laughs> <laughs> I think ever since they put in that fucked up caption in Spider-Man Homecoming that completely broke yes. the entire universe's timeline, <laughs> it's all been notional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so, James, let's talk about some of the uh, MCU movie news that's dropped. And I'm quite excited for this first one because... Um, it, it dropped half an hour before we started recording, and you haven't seen it yet. I don't know what it is, so, so bring it on. this is two pieces of news uh, hooked together. The first one you do know. So, um, the third Spider-Man movie, which, what, what are we going to call it? Uh, Spider-Man Home on the Range. Home on the Range. <laughs> That's a terrible movie. <laughs> Spider-Man Still Not Home. Uh, home, Spider- home, Spider-Man home Fun Home. Yeah, uh, any any of these. Um, it was it, it was uh, reported a couple of weeks ago that Jamie Fox would be reprising his role as Electro from the notoriously awful The Amazing Spider-Man Two. Um, not just is that movie notoriously awful, um, but the the way that movie treats Electro is gross um mm-hmm. a lot of there's the... one of my one of my biggest problems with that film yeah is its treatment of electro this <laughs> marginalized mentally ill person who yes. is exploited and then murdered by the film's hero yes Glee- gleefully kind of as well yeah and like and, well and and then just made fun of by the film's hero for the for the running time which normally when spidey's quipping you're like yeah sure but then you're like no this dude wasn't yeah, this guy needs your help. And it wasn't, and it wasn't like his, um, you know, his ego or anything that led to him becoming the supervillain. Yeah, no, he was he was the victim. Yeah, <laughs> and so now maybe yeah maybe help the dude. And also, and then you think about like the creative decisions, like the EDM. Electro. <laughs> I was literally just thinking, head. like, I wonder if they're going to bring back the dubstep soundtrack as well. <sighs> so fascinating that Spider-Man Three, uh, Spider-Man Home, 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 is bringing back Electro. Which, which James, how do you think they're bringing back Electro? Uh, so if if they're gonna, I mean. 
there are so many things he could do, right? We can assume that it's not going to be in continuity with Amazing... Sp- well, mm. that it's not going to suddenly reveal that this Peter Parker is the same one from Amazing Spider-Man, Oh, right? no, no, yes. <laughs> it's not going to so, be So, <laughs> there are two ways they can do it. They could say, like, Electro got so badly blown up that he was blown into another universe. Or they could just be like, and this is what I think they would do. Here is this version of that character, like... In this Amazing world. Spider-Man is officially a multiverse uh, version of Spider-Man. Here is Electro from our universe, and it just happens to be Jamie Foxx again. Right. Now, does this piece of information change your mind? Benedict Cumberbatch has been cast in Spider-Man Home, Home, Home. So he will Interesting. be... Interesting. He will be... Uh, Doctor Strange will be appearing in this third spider-man movie now i think i think interesting right from a from a a point of view if you look at the three movies you've obviously got iron man as the kind of default father figure in the first movie (laughs) you have the the way it was set up it felt like the default father figure in far from home was going to be nick fury Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we know, Nick Fury is not actually in that movie. Um, <laughs> and the default father figure ends up for half of the movie being... Uh, Happy Hogan? Well, no, but, but for half of the movie is Mysterio, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the second half of the movie becomes Happy Hogan. Um, and so then you wonder, you wonder then Doctor Strange becomes the father figure in this one. And that, and that now they've got that kind of history from hanging out on Titan together in the in the <laughs> We're using our made up names. Yes, exactly. Um, and also, as we know, Doctor Strange's mm-hmm. future movie is called Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, and the only Marvel property that has name dropped the possibility of multiverses prior to now is Far From Home. Um, even though it turned out it wasn't a multiverse, that was the idea was floated. And I remember saying this at the time, like they're dropping that for a reason, right? They're dropping the, they're, they're implanting the idea of multiverse in your head for a reason. We've, we've also since had an animated Spider-Man movie that is <laughs> a Spider-Verse. Um, so what I wonder is given that I, I would expect that we, we will see this movie before the multiverse of madness, Maybe it's Doctor Strange's experience in this movie that kind of leads him to explore it. So, Electro turns up, kind of unexplained, and Strange kind of, at at the end of the movie, goes, I should figure out how that happened. Yeah, I I could see them using that version of Electro and then going like, oh, hey, he's from another universe, Doctor Strange needs to investigate it, here is, that leads into Doctor Strange 2. Um, I can see that happening, yeah. I think if you were going to do that, you would bring back some higher profile villains than Electro, though, surely. Well, surely. is this going to be a little bit like Flashpoint, where, you know, we, it was announced that Keaton was coming back, and then it was announced that... Um, that Affleck was coming back. And, you know, I still wouldn't be stunned if you saw 
Clooney and Kilmer and Bale. I, I'd be I'd be more <laughs> I'd be more surprised by Bale just because I can imagine him going now. Sorry, I've I've, yeah. I've done that. Not again. Um, but uh, you, you expect with Flashpoint now that there's going to be lots of fun alt universe stuff. I'd I'd be surprised if they didn't return the TV favour and have TV Flash turn up in the movie for a second for a fun cameo. And Mm -hmm. I I wonder here whether... Is this an... It didn't feel like it to me anyway. It didn't feel like this was the announcement that Jamie Foxx is the villain of Spider-Man 3. No, I don't think that at all. I think probably a one-scene cameo. Well, I I, I could see it be more than that, but... Because I mean, Jamie Foxx is, is a, you know, is a pretty big deal as well. It's a, it's, it's still a decent. Ca- I mean, it was a casting coup for um, Amazing Spider-Man Two. I-, I could see it being more than a scene. I could see it being pretty substantial. I'd just be surprised if it was that. If that was it. Yeah. Like, c- could you? Could I, I mean, we know there's the J. Jonah Jameson uh, seed that's being planted in this movie. Could th- could there be some kind of Sinister Six action in this one? I was about to say, part of me wonders if it's going to be a Sinister Six thing. Because you don't have enough villains to do it with the ones we haven't met already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it could it could be, right, that Jamie Foxx is in there playing this version's, this this universe's version of Electro. Mm-hmm. Um... But so, something in there is going to unlock the multiverse because just from Sony's perspective as well, you've got to think they're saying, right, we understand that this world's Venom is not your world's Venom. We understand that this world's Morbius and whoever else isn't your world's villain. But we would we would quite like to, to do that. You know, we'd quite like to have Tom Holland turn up for a cameo. Yeah, we we re-upped this deal. Now you do us a solid. <laughs> um, yeah. So I, I mean, it, just, it feels it feels like from Sony's perspective, a multiverse would be perfect, and from Marvel's perspective, they're gonna do it at some point. <laughs> yeah. Um. So just for reference, the Sinister Six are Electro, Mysterio, the tick, Vulture, tick, Sandman, Doctor Octopus, and Craven. So, so five out of six characters exist within the Spider-Man movie trilogy of franchises. Um, and a, <laughs> and <laughs> a Craven the Hunter spin-off is coming. Uh, so that's the that's the next one on that, James. That was seamless. <laughs> Craven the Hunter <laughs> is the ne- is the next one on Sony's plans for a a villain spin-off, a la Venom, and um, I've already forgotten Morbius. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, J.C. Chandor has been hired to be the director of that movie. Again, take this with the caveat, uh, more than ever of if it actually ends up happening. Um, but that's that's the idea, is that J.C. Chandor would direct um, a Craven the Hunter movie. So just briefly, I, I think for, for our purposes, the more interesting thing here is Craven the Hunter movie. But J.C. Chandor is the director who I think broke through with Margin Call, um, the kind of financial crisis movie, uh, then did All Is Lost, A Most Violent Year, and then Triple Frontier, which was the uh, Netflix movie last year um, with Ben Affleck and Oscar Isaac and Charlie Hunnam, Garrett Hedlund, 
Pedro Pascal. Mm-hmm. I'm just reading off the cast list now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's who JC Chandor is. So he's moved more in that action direction as he's gone through his career. So um, a, a Craven the Hunter spinoff makes sense for him. Um, James, this is I, I. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but this feels like the the one A-list Spider-Man villain that we've never seen before. Certainly, it's a very yeah, a very important Spider-Man villain who's not come up. Is there a is there a bigger one that we've not seen? Good question. Hobgoblin, maybe. I don't know if Craven's bigger than Hobgoblin. It's tough to say. Um, the thing the thing I have with Craven is that basically he wasn't around for most of the time I was reading Spider-Man. He was dead. Um, off the basis of one really good story. Is that so, is that Craven's last hunt? Yes. Which we've talked um, about a bunch on this, and it was, I think, the subjects of many a pitch over the years. Yeah. Um, and certainly, what, t- t- talk he's... us through talk us through briefly Craven's last hunt. What happens? Uh, so he kind of, you know, decides that Spider Man's going to be his uh, ultimate quarry, and pursues him aggressively. Um. I'm trying to remember if he knows he's going to die or if he dies through his own hubris. It's been a long time since I read it. Um, but it's it's just one of those iconic stories um, where he's he's trying to kill Spider-Man to prove that he's, you know, the, the world's greatest hunter. Um, and so he's getting his... He's got his... Got his reputation on the line. And so... You would imagine that supervillain who literally, you know, his shtick is, I'm hunting a prey. Um, mm-hmm. That could work in a discreet movie before you get to him meeting a Spider-Man. Um, and, you know, and, and could potentially cross paths with the other, the other, Net- sorry, Netflix, I was going to say, the other Sony Marvel villains potentially mm-hmm. he could I, I guess he could decide to hunt a symbiote right he could decide to hunt a vampire yeah, absolutely those things would work um and then yeah you're right i think if you're thinking sinister six and you've got a lot of those pre-existing either well i mean most of those characters you said actually exist within the within the kind of s- current sony continuities right Within the current Sony continuity. Well, Sandman doesn't. Sandman Dr. doesn't Octopus. and Dr. Octopus doesn't. Dr. Yeah. Octopus doesn't, so... Yeah. Hey, uh, this is this is what I like about Spider-Man. It seems like the box of toys is bigger than it is for most superheroes. Yes, Spider-Man's one of those characters like Batman who has a bunch of villains who are of a high enough calibre to, to really sort of play with and do different things with as well like not every you know every x-men villain more or less is sort of a mutant who wants something um whereas spider-man has a lot of a lot of sciencey villains but you know there there are lots of different themes lots of animal themes um, and, and he has like and a variety of levels to them as well and mobstery villains as well right yeah 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 i always i always liked the kind of the the crossover between the Daredevil villains and the Spider-Man villains. 
yeah, yeah. Where you can find them both fighting a crime boss somewhere. Yeah, but... Uh, feeling and, the uh, effects of it. And maybe they'll both fight the same crime boss at different points. It's just probably, like, if that crime boss has just crushed someone's skull, then maybe call in Daredevil. And if they've... I don't know. <laughs> if they've sent out people to rob some banks, yes. get Spider-Man on yeah, it. Yeah, get Spider-Man in. <laughs> okay, so that's... Um, that is the news that uh, there is a Craven the Hunter spin-off coming. Um, and then the the other piece of news that we haven't had a chance to talk about is that Olivia Wilde was announced as directing a uh, a female-led um, spider spin-off movie. <laughs> that, so there are a number of options. There are, but it feels like the way that this was discussed... Um, felt like it was it was essentially an open secret that this was spider woman it wasn't it wasn't directly reported but it just it felt like that was what it was yeah and again that's that's one that's one of those characters that even after we've you know done spider-verse uh spider woman is one of those few spider-man characters that we've we've not seen at all and i would assume i know there are lots of different spider women i would assume that this is jessica drew Jessica Drew would be the smart place to begin, yeah. She um, she's the, the kind the actual Spider Woman, the original Spider Woman who was created by Hydra. Um and you know, has has basically the Spider Man powers, although for a while she could fly, which doesn't really fit the theme. <laughs> and she's for for anyone I mean, you can Google her, but she's the one she's got a pretty like recognizable costume. She's the like red with the the yellow triangles on the mask yeah and on the... although I'll, I'll tell you something that makes me think it probably is her is that a couple of years ago they tried to give her a sort of makeover and she got a new costume that was mostly black and was sort of like a motorcycle outfit with the black and with the red and yellow logo on sounds it... very sounds very black widow it sounds very Captain Marvel to me. Oh, in right. the, when when they were developing a Captain oh, yeah. Marvel movie, they basically went, "Okay, we need to rehabilitate the look of this character so that she is fit for mass consumption." That's interesting. It feels a bit like that's what they did with Spider Woman. They were like, "Okay, we want to make a Spider Woman movie. Let's give her an overhaul so she's not wearing basically nothing. Basically, body paint is what the previous Spider Woman costume was." Yeah, and although she, I think she might have gone back to it recently, so who knows? And she was the subject of that very controversial—well, not controversial—it yeah. was just gross, wasn't it? That yeah, the Milo Minara cover. Yeah, which we don't need to talk about. Um, I'll be honest, James. I, I I've probably read more Spider-Man comics than most comics. I've read comics where Spider Woman has turned up. I've read comics where. Uh, you know not ongoing series but like maybe the odd issues and spin-offs and or like crossovers in a what well, issues that take place in a crossover where she is the lead character mm-hmm. i don't really know what her shtick is i don't really know what jessica drew's deal is i don't know i don't know how she relates to spider-man so could, could you give me like a whistle stop <laughs> idea of what so what... how does she relate to spider-man she doesn't right <laughs> that's like, easy. It, it's as simple as that they are disconnected she's one of those characters who basically they went well for copyright purposes we should have a female spider-man so that no one else can make their spider-man spider-woman sorry um so is she is she less connected to spider-man than say she hulk is to hulk 
Yes. Because <laughs> I guess they're related at least. <laughs> related at least. Yeah, and like She-Hulk gets her powers from the Hulk. Like Spider-Woman gets her powers from uh, Hydra messing around with her DNA. Although for a while she was intended to be a, a spider who had been turned into a human. <laughs> Although that never actually got used. Right, okay. As her, that was her origin when they started writing her. But they went in a different direction. Okay. And then and, and and yeah, what's what's her deal? Does she does she have an interesting like setup herself? Uh so more recently she became a private investigator. Um well no, in fairness, she was always a private investigator. Not always. <sighs> Since like the eighties she's been a private investigator. Um, and she pops up in alias, doesn't she? Of course. There yeah. was a suggestion that the Jessica Jones book, the alias was going to be about Jessica Drew, but someone went, well, someone high up at Marvel went, we'd rather not put our, you know, one of our biggest female superheroes or any of our female superheroes in like this, uh, overtly sexualized and very adult situation. Let's, let's turn her into a new character. So like Jessica Jones is, I mean, cause in, in the course of that series, she, she is a, she is involved in some fairly well not not visually graphic but graphic sexual content um her history is and i guess you wouldn't you wouldn't want to burden a a a pre-existing character with all of that backstory that because i feel like if you just put that backstory onto a pre-existing character yeah it would it it would it would I, i don't know it would feel a bit exploitative yeah exactly Rather, rather than creating someone new who mm-hmm. this is, this is their entire persona. That makes yeah, sense. Totally. But then, just so I guess, but the, the 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 compromise they probably reach is, let's have Jessica Drew turn up in, in here because they they probably would be friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so we 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 imagine Jessica Drew, Spider Woman. Um, Olivia Wilde's obviously an interesting choice in and of herself. Um, she had a massive critical hit with Booksmart uh, mm-hmm. last year, which, um, you know, is kind of a whip smart. It got a lot of super bad comparisons when it came out. And I think because structurally, it you know, it, it has uh, a lot in common with super bad. Um, but you know, is 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 one of those movies that I feel like it turned up and it had a it had a fresh perspective. It was one of those films that was talking to its audience in a way that maybe they hadn't been talked to before, um, and showing you characters and and relationships that 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 what weren't always been served up to its target audience. Um, and it's it, you know it's a it's a really good comedy um, with two really strongly performances, and I think it is. Um, it is high time that the kind of rapid ascension to yes, you may now direct a blockbuster is applying to female directors as well as male ones. Um, and you know, as we've seen with Nia Da Costa with Captain Marvel two, um, that it's happening to uh, black filmmakers um, as as much as it has for years and years and years happened to white male directors who had one moderate Sundance hit and they go right. What, what are we lining you up for next? <laughs> um, but so I think I think with Olivia Wilde, it it it's it feels like a a solid choice to me. Um, 
I guess James, if it's if it's not uh, if it's not Jessica Drew, who who are the contenders? I mean, Spider Gwen's probably the highest profile now, right? But that doesn't. Yeah, feel like, like it would a... be tough to do a Spider Gwen movie without uh, having to deal with a lot of baggage. And Spider Gwen now, I think, because of because of Spider Verse, and and also because um, of some of the kind of so that that last gasp of um, Bendis stuff uh, before he mm-hmm. left, it fe- it feels like Miles and Gwen are, are more tied to each other than than Gwen is to Peter Parker or to yeah, anyone right. else. So I wonder whether uh, you, you you probably don't do Spider Gwen until you're in the Miles Morales mm-hmm. era. Um. And then I don't. I, I'm trying to think who else there's. Mayday Parker? Is she a, is she a big Spider deal? Spider Girl, read... yeah. Um, is she a big deal? Not really. She was always a bit of a fringe character, even even at the height of her popularity. And she's Peter Parker's daughter, right? In a alt-universe yeah, or future? She's, or... she's his daughter from the future. Um... I'm trying to think who else. Oh, obviously, there was, this, there was uh, Silk who it always gets thrown out there. I read the Silk, you know, the issues where Silk was introduced mm-hmm. in the comics after hearing her talks about a lot and was like, oh, there really there really isn't much there. It kind of felt like a throwaway couple no, of issues. No, the there, she, she was in her own series, which I haven't read. So I don't know if they expanded it more, but I can tell you now, Silk seems more likely than any of the other Spider-Woman characters. Just because Silk is really popular with cosplayers for some reason. I don't really know why. Um, I'm. I'm not. And I'm in touch sure with there that. Were, I'm, I, And there was a there was an actress who was credited as Cindy in the in the um yeah, yeah. movies. I think that people thought was maybe a, a nod to that that character was coming. Um, it could. So is that er- here is my suggestion. Mad- Madame Web is one that keeps getting <laughs> well, mentioned, if, which seems insane. I can't imagine them doing a Madame Web series, but the current Madame Web in the comics is. Uh, Damn, what's her name? Jessica... Was it Jessica? It's the... Spider-Woman 2 is... um The... The current Madam Web. I don't know what that means. So, the second character to be Spider-Woman, who was the one who had the black costume that Spider-Man copied to make the Venom costume, was... She has become Madam Web. I wish I could remember her name. Julia Carpenter, that's it. So that's that's also a possibility, yeah. I take. And then, I guess probably if you're talking Spider-Man female characters who aren't necessarily spider heroes, you'd be talking about Black Cat, who has been... Well, there was Silver and Black, wasn't there, which was supposed to be the Silver Sable Black, I was going to say, there's an outside chance that Silver Sable is still on the slate as well. Well, but... I I think technically if that movie ever still happens, I think Gina Prince-Bythewood is still attached. So I think, okay. I think that movie, if it ever does find its way back around, I think she would probably come back to it. So I'd be shocked if this was either of those characters. I Personally, I think Silver Sable is just not big enough to be worth making into a film. But, you know, they've made an Eternals film, so who knows? And then you're probably not going to do any of the kind of Spidey love interests because they make more sense in the in the Tom Holland universe than... And also because the Tom Holland films haven't really done much with them. It's hard to do a Mary Jane standalone film if you've, 
if you can't have her interacting with Tom Holland in any significant way. Yeah. And it's and it's hard to you you, you know you're probably not going to do a standard Gwen Stacy when you can do a Spider Gwen at some point in the future. Yeah, exactly. Betty Brant's in, um, in the Tom Holland movies as well. Yeah. Hey, I like talking Spider Man, James. I really do because there because <laughs> because it really does feel, doesn't it? Like there are so many possibilities for for directions they could go, um, and hopefully it'll be better than the last film. <laughs> Let's hope. Um, okay, uh, fine. <laughs> I thought it was okay to be fair. Yeah, you. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare insurance plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare insurance plans at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24. Um, <laughs> the final bit of um, MCU movie news um, could potentially end up being one of the one of the you know the the biggest most consequential ones of them um jonathan majors who is uh, an actor who seems to be getting a lot of pop at the moment for his performance in love lovecraft country um mm-hmm. jonathan majors has been cast as kang the conqueror now james which which mcu movie would you have thought would have been a good fit for kang i was sure right that if they were going to use Kang, they would be using Kang as the next post Thanos big bad because he's a he's a he's a time guy, right? He loves his time. Yeah. He t- Kang's Kang's thing is that he is like a time traveler from the future who is like a warlord. Like he just he makes every sense 
a major Avengers villain. And does like, he, he makes every it makes every bit of sense to have him as a Thanos level threat. And doesn't he as well? Uh, my memory of I, I've read a couple of comics with Kang in. Um, my memory is that he doesn't like people fucking with the timeline. Uh, I mean, he does it a lot. So there are there are different versions of Kang as well. Um, so like Kang goes into the at some point Kang goes into the distant past and becomes uh, Ramatut the Pharaoh. Wow. And I think that version of Kang maybe has reached the point where he's like, no, actually, don't mess with the timeline. But um, I'm trying to think, is Immortus Kang or is Immortus Kang's son? There's a lot going on with that character that is weird. So So, anyway, they've cast Jonathan Majors as Kang. Uh, Jonathan Majors, who um, I think... What have I seen him in? I, well, I saw him in The Five Bloods with Chadwick Boseman, actually, um, recently, the Spike Lee Netflix movie, which, um, I mean, he didn't really stand out, but he didn't really stand out next to kind of a, a completely dominant performance from Delroy Lindo and Clark Peters being amazing, and he's his character's kind of a bit of a an idiot compared to the rest of them well maybe not all of them but um (laughs) yeah uh so i i i I wasn't he he didn't he didn't jump out to me and i i thought oh that's the guy who should be you know a next major marvel villain um but i know you know he's he's given uh performances in i think a lot of people liked him in the last black man in san francisco as i said lovecraft country is the is the thing that people are um talking about a lot at the moment um and to spin this all back around he has been cast in ant-man 3 yeah i was astonished by that news which could mean two things james so let's let's do let's well it probably can mean more than two things but here here are the two that i think are possible and let's let's do a thought experiment with both the first one is so this is ant-man 3 is peyton reed again um i think the first marvel director who's gonna direct the the full trilogy yeah um for a solo character anyway i think you could probably make a case once all was said and done for um the russos um (laughs) uh but yeah so they're they're, peyton reed's returning so you would you would imagine it's going to be not a dramatic departure from the first two movies. Um, you'd imagine that most of the supporting cast will be back. You'd imagine that there would be some further further exploration of the microverse. Um, mm-hmm. And what's is it? Is the potential here that Jonathan Majors Kang the Conqueror turns up and is a villain? at the same kind of level of exposure that yellow jacket was and that ghost was and he is he's kind of like that scale of villain in the mcu and they've just gone do you know what that's that's how we want to use kang he actually fits the story we want to tell with the microverse so let's let's throw him in there I sort of think if you're going to use Kang, it would be hard to use him as a sort of secondary henchman type villain. 
Well, I mean, he. Got, I, what well, I mean by that is of... that the main he'd be the main vil- in this thought experiment. He's the main villain of the movie in the same way that Yellow Jacket was. Yeah, but that he's not. He's not all powerful. He's not. He's not Thanos level. He's just. That is what this character is now. He's a character who is, uh, the the right size for a an Ant Man movie. <laughs> Tiny. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny little villain. <laughs> Um, so what, here's what I think is going to happen, right? Is that the MCU, having opened this box of potential time travel... Yes. ...is now going to have to go, okay, we have to explain why people don't just time travel to solve every problem. Yes. Um, Tony Stark being dead doesn't quite do it because, you know, they've got things on their wrists they can just punch their numbers into or whatever. Um, however, if you make it so that... You know, the Avengers did a bunch of time traveling. Kang, who is the guardian of the time stream, notices and goes, not on my watch. He accesses the multiverse, which is how the Avengers time traveled in the previous movies. And Ant-Man, being the guy who hangs around in the microverse, sorry, um, is the first person to encounter him. That makes sense to me. And you can have them fight. And then at the end of the movie, you know, they either say, right, we're not going to time travel because we don't want to fuck up Kang's hood anymore. Or they say Kang has done something that means we can't time travel anymore, but at least he can't get us. Um, You could, in future, they could pull a Loki and set up a villain who then turns out to be a bigger problem for the Avengers the next time they come around. But that's not outside the realms of possibility. Here is my hope. And this this is what I think would be would be the most interesting version of Ant Man three. Go on. I kind of usually am very opposed to. All right, next time the villain just needs to be bigger. The threat needs to be bigger. The world needs to be at stake. Mm-hmm. I kind of like the idea of what what seems to be happening with these next batch of uh, Marvel movies that that potentially they're all a bit more self-contained that they're all villains that that make sense for their stories that it's um you know they they just all sound a bit different from what's come before don't they because that phase 3 felt like it was all it was all very big and it was all escalating towards infinity war so i'm normally i'm normally opposed to that but i think what an int- <laughs> how interesting would it be to slap the biggest threat that faces any of the Avengers and put Ant-Man in front of them. <laughs> you know, and, and and literally that could that could be the comedic premise is this hero that is kind of considered to be the slapstick slightly shit one. Um but actually has this pretty pretty tremendous superpower if it's used to all of its creative uh creative ends. <laughs> like put, put Ant-Man up against the guy that is going to be is still going to go on to be the, and not in a Loki way where you're like oh is that guy going to turn out to be a bigger deal down the line is he going to keep coming back and getting better each time no have him turn up as full on badass there is no there's no kind of trick there's no reveal this is Kang this is master of you know the time streams Kang who's coming back and is like you guys have fucked around with time travel. That's not all right. <laughs> Every single one of you that went through the time stream, I'm going to kill you. 
and yeah. and Ant Man's the only one that can stop them that can stop him because Ant Man <laughs> has the microverse. That to me, I'm like, yes, give me that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'd buy it, and especially because he's they've got they've got their own little superhero team now. I want it to be called Ant Men and the Wasps. Yeah, there's a good chance it will be because you've got you've got two you've got well. What what's uh, what does Cassie become? A stature she becomes. Yeah. So you've got you've got two ant men, two wasps, and a stature. Mm-hmm. And that could be a really fun like family superhero team, who who take on Kang. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, um, as much as I could, like he, from the one performance I saw, I wasn't like wow this guy. Um, just I would encourage anyone look at his IMDb photo, um, look at the man's face and build, and tell me that he isn't gonna look fucking amazing as Kang. Like if they if they go anywhere near the original design <laughs> design yeah. with the with the purple and the blue face. <laughs> I, I mean, hopefully he doesn't get buried in it like Oscar Isaac as, as Apocalypse. Um, but I I think I think the dude is gonna have. Uh, certainly the, the 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 physical prowess and you know i believe everyone that's talking about his performances and the things i haven't seen so um yeah i i'm i'm on board with this james and you know what even if it, it even if it's not that um i'm pleased they're making another ant-man movie i want yeah I, I, i'm i'm down for that I, I i you know i was the person who liked ant-man and the wasp more than most people um and yeah, I want to see. Oh, yeah, oh. I mean, you're incorrect to like that film more than most people, but <laughs> in... Ant Man, Ant Man as a character is very good, and I'm happy to see him turn up anywhere. Okay, um, one place where we don't know that he's turning up yet, James. Listen to this for a segue. One person, that, <laughs> one place where we don't think he's going to turn up is is Disney Plus. <laughs> And, and Marvel make correct. Marvel make, Marvel. <laughs> we have no plans to for him to turn him in Disney Plus. That's for sure. Marvel are making TV shows on Disney Plus. The first of them uh, that we're going to see, which I don't think we we knew was going to be the first one, um, is WandaVision. Um Is it going to be the first? Yeah, well, well it's it coming twenty twenty. Okay. So uh, you would expect within you know within the next two two and a half months we're going to have been able to watch WandaVision. Um I think. Uh, Originally, we thought we would get the the Falcon Wind Soldier show, but um, looks like it's one division. Um, you'd imagine the production uh, was a bit a bit more simple for one division, that given that it looks like it's set up kind of like a multi camera camera sitcom for half of the time. Um, <laughs> which which you know, I think is it fewer episodes as well? Am I imagining? Oh, I've no idea actually think it might be fewer episodes but i think they're all supposed to be quite short short seasons aren't they relatively yeah um i think falcon and winter soldier are six episodes um i'm not sure about one division i i have it in my head that that's only three oh i I could be wrong let me check (laughs) six episodes two there we go okay yeah three would have been intense (laughs) um so we saw the first trailer for one division um, James, or the first, I think we'd seen little little blasts of it. Um, yeah, no Cat Dennings in it. No, I assume they're keeping that back for the big reveal. <laughs> she, uh, which, because she is going to be in it, right? We we know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully, playing her two broke girls character. 
<laughs> Max Black, I think, is the name you're looking for. No fucking idea. What a terrible, terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> I watched a lot of it. I'm not going to lie. I'm in no way surprised by that. So uh, the One Division trailer. It starts off. It's in black and white. Um, there is lots of riffs on old sort of 50s style sitcoms um there's like little nods to bewitched um i dream a genie that kind of thing um and and feels very knowing um and then we we get a shot of um we see that Catherine hahn is in this tv show which i was excited by um <laughs> and um and then it it gets a little bit eerie um there's a there's a couple who are uh, round for dinner at the house and they start saying stuff that that doesn't. Um, I'm just looking. It's Mister and Mrs. Mrs. Hart, uh, according to IMDb, uh, played by Deborah Jo Rupp and Fred Melamed, um, Cy Abelman from A Serious Man. I just can't can never see him and not think Cy Abelman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's when things start glitching out a little bit, and then we see, um, we see all sorts of stuff. We see kind of lots of different visual styles. We see we see the frame getting bigger. We see cuts to color. Um, we see um, we see them dressed up in what looks like Halloween fancy dress in their like traditional comic book costumes uh we see them in what looks like an 80s style sitcom um more like i i don't know something like full house um and then and then there's there's big mcue looking stuff in there as well with like um what looks like larger scale action scenes um we get a shot of uh, Tarana Paris, who's playing Monica Rambeau in this. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited, James, because this looks like the kind of weird, more ambitious stuff that... I, I this, this, this is the kind of... If it, if it is what it looks like it is, this is the stuff that it feels like everyone who is sceptical about Marvel is saying, you could be doing this kind of thing. Why aren't you? Yeah, my concern is that there is a bit of that stuff and then the rest of it is just your standard, extremely slow streaming TV series. But as you just said, six episodes. So it's mm-hmm. it's not going to be 13 hours of Daredevil season two, right? It's... Hey, come on. <laughs> even, even those Netflix shows that I liked more just felt like they were a trudge through middle episodes like uh, that like there wasn't enough plot to fill them um and 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 even even if this is even if this is 95% um the modern day standard stuff and it's just little flashes here and there to this kind of constructed reality they've got um that still suggests that what they are what they are doing with the constructed reality weird stuff is actually exploring the psyche of a character because Scarlet Witch will, will have had to have created those realities either as coping mechanisms or physically created them. And you know, the, the, the the comics vibe that it's giving off is obviously the, um, 
the Vision series from uh, Tom King, which was excellent and kind of was a, was a series about existential dread in suburbia <laughs> via superheroics, which was which was really great. Um, you, uh, you're right; it could not be that, <laughs> but it just it it looks interesting. I can't imagine a trailer for that show that could have worked better for me than the one that they presented. Yeah, no, I'm I'm fully looking forward to it. I think it's going to be very good. And you know, I I I'm I'm excited to see Paul Bettany again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to that supporting cast. Um and, you know, the nerdy Marvel fan in me as well just wants to understand how it all works within that universe. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the impact of it? What's what like why is is Vision still around just in her head? Are all the other characters just in her head? Because um, the, the 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 stuff that looks like bigger Marvel stuff in the trailer almost looks like it's the scene where Monica Rambeau pops up and it looks like she's almost been like fired out of some kind of weird force field, like an under the dome style thing. So is <laughs> it, is it just that, is it just that Scarlet Witch has created this kind of thing inside her head so she can live, live out a happy existence with vision or has she kind of like in a kind of twisted Truman show c- c- constructed this dome that people are trapped inside forced to play out her elaborate role play. I mean, that would be... <laughs> I suspect that would be it. You think it's that? Yeah, something like that. Like, that she's made her own little reality that, um, you know, people are accessing to try and save her. No, but what I mean is, could she Could she potentially as well, could she have people in there that are, like, being forced to play a role? I mean, maybe, yeah. <laughs> Or could so, or could you know could someone have constructed the reality around her? Could the Avengers have been like this is the only way that we can keep her psychologically stable? Otherwise, we're uh, going to th- have another I think incident. Given the history of the character, it seems more in keeping that having a, you know experienced a traumatic event, a couple of traumatic events. Because let's remember, her beloved brother Quicksilver also died. We were having a, a conversation in our chat thread about the character arc for Scarlet Witch. Um, and I'm not sure it was a character arc or more just more just here is the thing that you feel now. So her the the series <laughs> of events that Scarlet Witch has been through in the MCU is she hates the Avengers. Oh no, she likes them now actually. Oh no, now her brother's dead. Oh no, she accidentally killed some people. She hates half of the Avengers now, maybe? <laughs> but she loves a robot. Oh no, the robot is dead. And now she's dust. <laughs> Now she's not dust anymore, and she's back to fighting an exclusively girl power moment. Uh, <laughs> things have happened to her. Um, I don't think Elizabeth Olsen is particularly given. You know, given that she's always like at maximum about like the fifth or sixth most important thing on a movie's mind. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think, given all of those things that have happened to her emotionally, she's been given about a scene per movie to communicate that. Um, and and I think that if the series treats her in the in the right way, and foregrounds her sufficiently, because as much as I love Vision, I'm not sure that I I I can't see how exploring his 
you know inner workings in this movie would be as interesting as much as i loved him you know debating humanity with another robot um <laughs> i think that this this is a this is a let's foreground the wonder above the vision in this show yeah i mean and i think taking a few episodes to deal with the amount of trauma that character has gone through seems fair to me mm. Um, and like I say, if it's if it's following the comics, the idea of her creating her own reality to try and cope with all that, I mean, that's a thing that she has done in the past, and I'm sure we'll do again. And there's, uh, you know, there's a scene in the in there where they have kids as well, where they where they have babies, and yep, famously Scarlet Witch created uh, some kids for herself, sort of through her own magic abilities. Um, <laughs> I mean, and and in that vision, the story flops well. back and forth, but that is one way it has been presented, certainly. And in in that vision series, the Tom King one, he creates a family for himself. Yeah, and um, well, the mild spoiler alert for a, a comic that that's five years old, but you know, those kids kind of don't disappear at the end of the series. They're not they're not there just for a for a throwaway. So. I don't know whether that could potentially be significant as well. Hey, I'm looking forward to it, James. Yep, me too. Let's uh, let's talk about the other Disney Plus Marvel news. Um, She-Hulk has been cast, and it's Tatiana Maslany. James, how familiar are you with Tatiana Maslany? I know she was in Orphan Blank, which I did not watch. Okay, so I watched, uh, I think, the first two seasons of Orphan Black. Um, I, I'm sure some people think this is heresy, but I just it, it all got a little bit too silly for me, and that and actually the BBC Americanness of it, because it was a it was a Canadian production for BBC America, uh, but it kind of reminds me of where I am two seasons into Killing Eve, where I'm like, I'm I'm not going to watch any more of that. I love I love those performances. I love those characters, but I, it's it's got a bit too silly for me to the point where I'm not interested in the plots anymore. Um, and that's where I got to with Orphan Black. But two seasons in, the one thing that was clear was, holy shit, Tatiana Maslany is excellent. So she's playing a range of clones in that in that show, um, who. Uh, often she can be in a scene playing like three or four different versions of the same character. Oh, well, of, well three, four, three or four clones who all have completely different personalities, looks, accents often. The accent's a little bit more shaky than the rest of her performance, but um, she's really, really good in that. And um, I also thought she was really good alongside Jake Gyllenhaal in Stronger. Um I think it was a David Gordon Green movie that came out it was about the um, uh, one of the guys that survived the uh, Boston Marathon bombing and mm-hmm. and actually identified the uh, one of the bombers. Um, yeah, uh, so I, I any time I've seen her on screen, she's excellent. And um, I I again, it feels like yeah yeah it, it gets boring after a while, but it feels like hey. <laughs> Marvel have just done a better job casting that than anyone I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I trust everyone who says that she's going to be good, and you know, I'm very invested in seeing a good She-Hulk uh, screen version because I'm a huge fan of the character, regardless. So, 
And it'll be interesting how they decide to depict her because, I mean, they've not cast like a Gina Carano here. Um, I think Tatiana Maslany, if she is going to get buff and muscly for this role, I would imagine think more Alicia Vikander in the Tomb Raider movies than than someone like Gina Carano, right? Um, yeah, I think I think She-Hulk will be mostly CGI. Which, if that's the case, the budget's going to have to be solid. But then I, I don't know whether... is it, it, d- Do Marvel already have kind of like a lot of investment in the yeah if it if it's if it looks similar to how the hulk looks in terms of just like texture of skin etc have they mm-hmm. have they actually you know got half of the cgi investment done for them already i don't know yeah who knows cuz you could you, i i take it you can play it either way with she hulk can you that she is like she can potentially just be jennifer walters is she hulk and she goes around looking green all the time and that's fine yeah i mean for for a long time that was the character's status quo was that she was stuck as she hulk Mm. but sort of the classic version of the character and certainly the current version of the character can can shift between her forms at will and um mostly chooses to stay as she hulk but you know this is an origin story one assumes so yeah there's there's a lot they could do with it I here is what I not want. I demand that they do. <laughs> Go on. Finally, just give me a fucking procedural. I want a procedural. <laughs> yeah, an actual procedural, right? Yeah, like what what Daredevil should have been. Give, yeah. Give me an ongoing story about her being She-Hulk, but she's a lawyer, right? I want to see her lawyering. What my my ideal version of this. Uh, show is it's Ali McBeal but once an episode she turns into a giant Hulk. Yes, but also it's Ali McBeal to the extent that Robert Downey Jr. is in it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy with that. And gets fired halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Tatiana, Tatiana Maslany is She-Hulk. Um, they have also cast um, an, a newcomer called Iman Valani as Miss Marvel. Uh, Kamala Khan. Now, James, for me, I, I I mean, it's impossible to get excited about, you know, a piece of casting for someone who's, you know, kind of like ne- never been in anything before. Um, but they have cast an Asian teenager as the lead of a Marvel Cinematic Universe Disney Plus TV show who has already been spoken about as we intend for this character to cross over eventually with the movies. The f- it, for me, the news here is Miss Marvel is going to happen and it's going to happen in a way that is authentic. And I I can't imagine how they would have done it any other way. But, you know, they've cast an Asian teenager as Miss Marvel. That is... That's all I needed. <laughs> and, and I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, it would I be really hard liked. to have done anything else, right? No, but what I mean is what it what they could have done is just not make it. Yeah, okay, fair. And the fact that it's happening is the thing that that is that is exciting to me, and that that, that these new characters, like she, that, that it's She Hulk and Miss Marvel, who we're moving forward with as like characters that we've not met before that are going to get their own series. Like, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, don't get me wrong, I'm very excited by the, the prospect of these shows. And uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know Miss Marvel, I think we talked about her on the podcast 
uh, probably many times over the years because I read, um, I I read the majority of that original run of Miss Marvel. Um, yeah, I've not actually read them. So, and it's it's uh, it's a kind of Spider Man story for, um, for this you know for the for this past decade. It's a it's a young teenage, a young teenager who gets superpowers and kind of goes out and does some street level heroing with them. Um, mm-hmm. In the comics, she's technically an Inhuman. I yes. would imagine that she will not be an Inhuman in this. Um, who knows? I think probably she, not. She will either be someone who just develops superpowers through another way, or this might be the opportunity to finally do Ms. Marvel as a mutant, which probably is what she should have been in the first place. If Marvel weren't, <laughs> if Marvel wasn't avoiding creating new mutant characters, yes, yeah, quite. But but now, there's no reason now that that they own Fox that they couldn't retcon every Inhuman in the comics to become a mutant now if they wanted. I mean, they wouldn't yeah, because the I think the, the reason to not do that would be that if you're going to introduce mutants to the MCU, do you want to do Miss Marvel as the first one? No, but what I mean is it. it you know, it could even be she could be there as a stealth mutant. You don't even know. Yeah, sure. Yeah, what I, I what I mean is, I I would just be stunned if she is introduced as like, here is the Terrigen Mist, and now she is an Inhuman. You go, what you mean like that? T- no, don't talk about the TV show. Don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it is very likely we will get a new origin for Ms. Marvel for sure. Um. Also, she has a charming um kind of. On, ongoing relationship with Wolverine in the comics, um, <laughs> which there's, a, there's just a fun little team up between them very early on in her run, um, and I would like to see that on the big screen as well. But I just <laughs> I like a vibe. She is um, she is um, Muslim Asian American. Um, the fact that she is a Muslim is relevant to her character. Um, mm-hmm. And she is also a teenager who is a massive fangirl of other superheroes, which, you know, 10, 10, 12 years into it, well, 10, well, it'll probably be closer to 15 by the time that, um, that Ms. Marvel shows up. But that long into a cinematic universe feels like the perfect time, you know, this would be a girl who, since she has been, since, since she can remember there have been superheroes in her universe, mm-hmm. um, and the t- the the time jump um, with Captain Marvel probably helps as well. Um, that you know that she she, she could have because I mean technically all of this Marvel stuff's happening five years in the future. Uh, <laughs> although COVID was is this constricting that maybe five years in the future when we finally see see the next movie <laughs> they will be playing out in real time again. Um, yeah, quite. But you know she, she's a massive she's a fan girl. She names herself Miss Marvel because she's she's a big fan of Captain Marvel. They have some like really lovely interactions in the comic. Um, she's got she's got a great costume. Um, she uh, uh, she's teamed up at various times in you know when i was reading the comics with mars morales and um nova and one of the vision children actually um and uh and I, i'm already i'm already seeing her sharing scenes with tom holland and um 
and with Shuri and characters like that. Um, and and you know, would be perfect if if you if if they're going to do Young Avengers and stuff like that in the future and kind of have within the MCU like two different generations of heroes. She's great, and I'm and I'm happy that that show is moving ahead. Uh, James, the other one is Nick Fury is getting a Disney Plus series. <laughs> which I didn't know about until you told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which, to be honest, there's been pieces of news that we're talking about on this episode. I'd, I'd missed the Craven the Hunter news entirely. Didn't know that that was a thing. Um, such as lockdown life. Um, but yeah, there's a Nick Fury series happening um, with Samuel L. Jackson. So there's no... It's not, it's not going to be young Nick Fury or it's not going to be white Nick Fury. <laughs> it's not going to be David Hasselhoff um, although you never know maybe a cameo um, <laughs> yeah there's a, so a Disney Plus series with Nick Fury that's all the detail there is we don't know when it's coming we don't know what the setup will be whether it will be in the present day in the MCU all the other shows seem to uh, you know we, we haven't had any indication otherwise that any of these any of the Disney Plus shows are prequels or alternate universe or anything like that so but fury is the one that i mean especially given what we you know the performance that sam jackson gave and the de-aging effects in captain marvel you could probably set a nick fury series anytime between that captain marvel's the captain marvel movie and now yeah i mean i i would expect it to be the present day to be honest but you, you're right you could set it whenever but if it is the present um, if it is the present day the status quo of nick fury is on a scroll ship at the other side of the universe well he was on holiday in that <laughs> in that scene so. okay <laughs> i don't know i i question whether nick fury has been relevant since they almost killed him in the mcu I mean, not really, but he was got, bigger. He, he was tying the Metarch together, and then the Metarch got away with him. So, but he was he was gone for a big stretch of time, and then they kind of dropped him in three films in a row. Yeah. Um. But I'm like from that moment, you know, he shows up in Age of Ultron. He's like, here's a I don't know, like helicarriers. There you go. <laughs> um, and then and then like disappears for a while, and then has the. He's obviously great, as I said, in Captain Marvel, but that's not in current continuity, or it's not in the current chronology. It's back 20, 30 years in the past. Um, and then it's not really him in Spider-Man. And in the Avengers... like I, I, I think his cameo at the end of Infinity War is great, and then he's just stood there in Endgame. He doesn't get anything to do. And so yeah. I, I, I'm actually wondering, like, and even with the scroll ship thing, and like... I. Do I care about Nick Fury now? And I, well, and, and what I'd like to see is like a show about Nick Fury doing the kind of spy espionage stuff that you imagine he does in between the movies. Like this is kind of what I wanted Agents of Shield to be was like a, mm. again a procedural about like people working on the fringes of a world in which there are superheroes, and instead it was like a bunch of office workers all turn out to be superheroes and like travel through time and stuff. I was a bit like, can we not do something a bit more like the sixties Nick Fury series where, you know, it's espionage and it's got that kind of bond feel to it. That's, that's sort of what I want to see. I, I guess that my problem with him now 
is that he feels a bit too big to be that boots on the ground character and i'm not sure how interesting i think i think that there's two ways to potentially do it is that it's like nit fury undercover um or as some kind of like black ops agent who kind of lives in the shadows so it's not even like bond where he's out there you know on the casino floor or whatever and interacting with you like Nick Fury's too big for that. Um, he has to be like Black Ops, or I'd love to see like throw throw me back to the early nineties, directly after um, the Captain Marvel movie, where director of Shield Peggy Carter, old um, <laughs> old Peggy Carter, walks in and goes at the start of each episode, Nick, I've got a mission for you. Off you go. <laughs> and and it's and it's it's him as the kind of the younger still kind of like working his way up guy um yeah that's i think that's what i would like to see the most but the thing is if it's six episodes of a of a disney plus show with sam jackson i want to see it <laughs> I, don't, I probably don't care what it is <laughs> yeah quite and and those those I can't tell you those shorter propositions for Disney Plus series really do. They they make those shows a lot more enticing because <laughs> because if it is crap, I can probably bash out six episodes. Well, I was going to say I I keep thinking about Defenders and how that was shorter and still felt like it had like four episodes when nothing happened. Yeah. So it's not a surefire formula, but it is better. Um. And and crucially, these are being made by Marvel Studios rather than Marvel Television. Yeah. Hey, seamless segue, James. Did you know that every Marvel Television show that has aired to date has already been cancelled? They're all gone. <laughs> Did you know Even that? Hellstrom. Apart from Hellstrom, because Hellstrom hasn't aired yet. And Hellstrom's apparently a thing that's still happening, James. How Hellstrom did... is definitely going to get one season and then be gone, right? It's It just feels like this weird zombie show. So for anyone that, that has cannot remember what Hellstrom is, because I, I saw this pop up that, wait, what's, what's this people talking about Hellstrom? I remember talking about that on the podcast years ago when we were talking about all of these... Um, these fox shows and and uh, that could that could be showing up and we got the gifted and we got legion and there was going to be a hellfire club thing at one point and then and then yeah uh, and then someone talks about hellstrom and i was like yeah okay that sounds like it'll never happen uh, they, they, <laughs> they made it 10 episodes are dropping on hulu next week october the 16th what it's made by marvel television so it will it will be being cancelled but what why does it exist james what is it what's hellstrom hellstrom is like the he's the son of some version of marvel satan it's basically marvel lucifer i don't understand why it's it's marvel lucifer slash marvel constantine i don't know why it exists the Wikipedia... Soon it won't, so let's not worry too much about it, is my suggestion. The Wikipedia page says it tells a, st- a standalone story within the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I would say, you think you you think that's what you're doing, but you're not. <laughs> yeah. It 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 tells a it tells a self-contained story within what will soon be disavowed by the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> yeah, Universe. Right. <laughs> I wonder, I because I, I, I I wonder whether they will at some point just go. 
that's not canon, guys. None of that's canon. I mean, they already sort of have in many ways, haven't they? They basically had to do that with Agents of Shield. I think. Who knows? No, but they, but they, that's that's the one that I think might be holding them back slightly, because it was big enough and high profile enough, and it had calls and it had people pop up at certain points, <laughs> and they kept telling everyone it was connected when it wasn't. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people started to enjoy that show a lot more as it went along. You know, then some people liked it from the start, and I know. Oh I, yeah, no, like no disrespect um, to anyone who enjoyed it. And but Am- I think... Amon tells us off every time he comes on for for bad mouthing Agents of Shield. Um, yeah, which fair enough because I only watched up to like season three. But what what I I do wonder whether that's I mean do, they probably don't need to say it, do they? They'll just at some point a character who was on one of these Marvel TV shows will get cast in the MCU. That's the thing, right? At some point, they're going to be like, well, do we want to use Daredevil or do we want to be like, oh, we can't use Daredevil because we had him in a TV show, you know, five, and, ten years ago. And if you're about to do the multiverse, can you just write it all off as like, oh, that was that was one of the that was one of the chaps of the multiverse. So do you know what? Actually, if we do want to bring back, say, I don't know, Charlie Cox or we actually think, do you know what? It'd be it'd be fun to bring back Daisy from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because people really liked her maybe we could maybe we could bring her across in the in the multiverse and and that's how we do it and equally if we want to do if we want to do punisher but we don't want to bring back john bernthal then yeah we can do that as well yeah i mean the danger is that by doing these things they uh what's the phrase like the the audience will lose faith in what they say so if all those shows were sold on hey these are part of the mcu and then they're not there will understandably be some section of your audience going like, well, how can we trust that these next TV shows are worth watching? It, I don't think it'll be a big enough section to really matter when it comes no, down to I, it. If they get the right recast, no one's going to give a shit if it contradicts a TV show that hasn't been on the TV for, you know, six, seven years. And it feels, it does feel different, right? Doesn't it? Now that it's Marvel Studios and that it's happening at Disney Plus. Yeah. And, and the fact that now they are able to drop everything on disney plus there's not there's not going to be any question about all right this one's in this country this is on netflix and this country that's on hulu and that country is on hbo max and Mm -hmm. which you know i I think you know we uh since we last recorded um dc universe uh is is ceasing to exist as a as a streaming platform it's going to be uh, it's going to be a comics-only platform, and then all of the DC content is going to go straight to HBO Max. That'll just mm-hmm. be that'll be the new home for all of it. Um, so that I mean, it makes a lot more sense to them in the US, given that they're their own by Warner Brothers, and so is HBO. Um, but in the in the rest of the world, we don't have an HBO Max yet. <coughs> Whereas Disney Plus have that. Just you know, they have the ability to drop something globally, day and day on a on it. Well you know as as that platform drops in more and more countries which it, it it you know it is doing yeah they're not they're not hopefully there are no mandalorian that. situations no but that was you know that was that was when they first launched the series and the 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 platform <laughs> yeah they, there was exist, there was there was bound to be there was bound to be difficulties there um, it did make me laugh when Disney Plus finally dropped in the UK and they still released the Mandalorian one week at a time. <laughs> right. As, as someone who didn't... I don't even care about Star Wars, but come on. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. I was like, are you kidding? 
<laughs> Those poor people. If they'd done that with a Marvel show, I'd have been like, no, give it to me. <laughs> I remember me furious when Ant-Man and the Wasp got moved back two weeks in the UK because of um, the World Cup. Oh, God. But uh, boy, was it worth the wait. So, <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Let's say sure. Um, and James, we, we've thought an awful lot of Marvel. I uh, want to bring this podcast to a close by talking about a couple of uh, pieces of news over at DC. Um, the first one is that uh, Black Adam, which in all of that reshuffling of dates, Black Adam actually fell off the DC release slate. Um, we were speculating before we started recording that maybe that has something to do with The Rock's availability. That- yeah. Someone in someone as in demand as The Rock is not going to have the flexibility to be like, can you shoot next year instead of, you know, can you shoot 2022 instead of 2021? No, he can't because he's got several other blockbusters to fit in yeah. as well. Or, he's, or, got, he's got a Jumanji to do. Or potentially he can, um, but we need to figure out the schedule and we will work everyone else's schedule around his uh, because, yeah. you know, th- there's not going to be anyone as important in that movie <clears throat> as him. Uh, but they have cast... Um, uh, another one of the sporting characters Aldis Hodge is going to be playing Hawkman um, Aldis Hodge is um, I think notably um, a black actor which is uh, you know a Hawkman is not traditionally black am I right James no no he is not so, yes you are correct <laughs> you, you, I, I hope you were checking that Hawkman wasn't traditionally black rather than whether Aldous Hodge was. <laughs> um, Aldous Hodge is an actor who um, I think I first became aware of him on Friday Night Lights. He plays uh, Ray Voodoo Tatum in the first series of that show. Um, mm-hmm. And is kind of a good kind of um, antagonist, I think, is, is more fair than villain. Um, and he's one of those actors that I just I feel like I see him turning up in more and more um as the years go on and he, and and like st- like every time he does going oh he's he's quite good in that he was in the invisible man earlier this year um which um I thought he was good in um he was in the black museum episode of of black mirror um a few years ago uh which I also thought he was really good in he played MC Ren in straight out Compton which is probably his biggest role in in recent years. Um, so yeah, Aldis Hodge, I think, uh, you know, another good actor who's been cast in one of these superhero movies. Um, and it immediately, uh, like, when I think Hawkman, I think a boring, square jawed white dude. So straight away, I'm like, oh, that's that's <laughs> that's potentially more interesting. And they're not doing Hawk Girl in this. Um, which uh, I imagine there'll be some interesting backstory to dig into there because you're not going to pretend she doesn't exist. So it is Hawk Girl, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I doubted myself for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the final thing at DC is that, um, and James, I don't know if, you, if, if you're aware of this, uh, the John Cena character in The Suicide Squad, Peacemaker. Mm-hmm is getting a spin-off at HBO Max. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> That's fun, isn't it? Uh, okay. I let you know what, I'm going to try and do this. Can you try and avoid all superhero movie news? 
so that any time we get to it on the podcast, I can break it to you in real time because it's so much more fun this way. <laughs> I mean, fair enough, right? There are no bad characters. So um, it is an eight episode straight to series order. Um, the the entire series will be written by James Gunn. I was about to say how involved is James Gunn. Yeah, he's Being written by James Gunn sounds pretty involved. He's writing all eight episodes and directing a number of them. I would imagine that means two or three. He'll direct the first one, the last one, and yeah, maybe, the first and the last, probably, and maybe, right? maybe one in the middle. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll explore the origin of the character. Um, so I guess that that's interesting. I guess that's one way of not revealing whether the character lives or dies in the, <laughs> right in the Suicide Squad. It would be a ballsy move if he then dies in the first scene. <laughs> Or they just know that they've got such a hit with this character. We've got, we've got this character who's so amazing in one scene, but we kill him off right at the start. Let's bring him back. Sure. Um, it's a fun idea. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of I, I kind of like it. It, it. Again, It's got it's legitimacy a, as well. It's not uh, It's not an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. situation. Like, this is, this is his movie, and he's come up with a character, so fair enough. I just think, like, we are now in the era of superhero stuff where there is no character too small to set a movie or a TV show around, or is there is no group of characters that, that are too absurd to put into a movie. Um, and, and that really opens up the possibilities for everyone. So we aren't in the situation that Disney and ABC had when they launched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. When, coming out of the Avengers, if you went, we need to create a TV show based in this universe what can we do and you would have probably said right does it it probably needs to be a kind of a shield thing doesn't it for it to be like (laughs) important enough for a week for week to week to have different adventures and stuff for it to feel big enough and that you might be able to have some characters you know in there like i don't know what they would have done differently at that point um but like that and then when you go in or okay what are netflix gonna do you go well what's kind of the biggest group of characters that they can kind of do together as a street level team at some point and they go well, I, Luke Cage is quite big Daredevil's a big deal and then the, and yeah do you know what I mean that the, mm-hmm. whereas now you go in yeah sure we'll, we'll spin off one of these characters from the Suicide Squad and we'll do a <laughs> a weird trippy 1950s sitcom riff on the the witch and the robot characters and we're just gonna we're just gonna introduce big new characters on a tv show as well because that's that's what we what we can do to feed them into movies i like i i I like that the i like that the sandbox they're playing in is weirder and and i think i think also the the fact that diversity has become something that is i mean i don't think i honestly don't think that these conglomerates are doing out of the goodness of their heart the fact that uh, there are now capitalist incentives to uh, to yeah, right. <laughs> create, create diverse shows is a great thing for audiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I say that coming off the back of the whitest man in America being given, <laughs> being given his, his spin-off from the Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, that character looks quirky and weird and funny. Um, and and I mean, like, I'm sure was he was he the one that was described as like a Nazi Captain America? Yes. Yeah. So interesting for a TV show there. 
<laughs> Quite. So James, we've we've talked we've talked Electro, Kang, Spider Woman, Miss Marvel, She Hulk, Hellstrom, Craven the Hunter, Peacemaker, Hawkman. Where you know we have gone to the days where it was like, are they are they going to make another Iron Man? Because that's <laughs> <laughs> this is fun. But interestingly, twenty twenty first first year without a Marvel movie since what was it two thousand and nine. 2008? Uh, 2009, because they but they released Iron Man and Incredible Hulk in 2008. There you go. Uh, and uh, we should say Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, because of course, James, New Mutants. New Mutants, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> How could you forget? <laughs> <laughs> I was okay. trying really hard, to be fair. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't hate it, I didn't hate it. I quite liked it. Okay, um... That, that that is it for the this week's uh news roundup this week's lengthy news roundup but we can't was, call this a mini-sode you know uh, this is a news mega-sode um so james and i will be back next week with andrew ellard as our guest as we discuss ang lee's hulk which um was a really fun one and yeah as so we've got a number of other episodes lined up in the next uh in the coming months, uh, so we, I think we will return to our schedule of releasing fortnightly with main episodes um, and no minisodes for the time being, and we'll, we'll kind of see see how things progress uh, as as we go. But yeah, we we're figuring out this out as we go. But so far, I think we're, we're having fun talking superhero movies again. Absolutely. Brilliant. Um, if you have enjoyed the show, you can find more on Acast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Player FM, Overcast, Google, Stitcher, or your podcast app of choice. Uh, you can find everything we do at cinematicuniverse.com. You can buy our merch at cinematicu.redbubble.com. And uh, if you want to get in touch, head to Twitter at cine underscore verse or send us an email to podcast at cinematicuniverse.com. Um, you can find us on Patreon and... Um, Yeah, we'll see you next week for some Hulk. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.